Morning, church. I should have given you more enthusiasm to you to give me. Morning, church. Morning. Ah, it's better. It's better. Um, you know, Sabbath is a time for rest. It's a time for restoration without the noise and the burdens of life as usual. Sabbath is a time for peace and reflection. Um, would you say that you Sabbath well? I think a lot of us don't. Um, we tend to fill up our weekends with projects or makeup work we didn't get done throughout the week. And generally, you know, I think if we set aside some time for church, we feel like we've maybe honored the Sabbath well enough. Now, I don't know if that's entirely true. I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Just be, it, it bears some consideration. But as Christians, we do have some freedom about how we exercise the Sabbath. I mean, we're doing it on Sunday already. That's a bit of a change. But for the, the, the people in the scripture we read today, the, just going to church is not sufficient. They, they took the command to observe the Sabbath very seriously. So last week, um, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, as one does. And so in obedience to the law, he went directly from the synagogue to the house where he was staying. That's Peter and Andrew's house. Um, you don't, you know, on the Sabbath, you don't make excess trips and you don't just run to the store, right? You just, you go from the synagogue straight home. So, you know, it, it would seem that Jesus was, uh, that he ought to be able to enjoy a Sabbath rest for himself, right? I'll tell you, many a preacher, when they get home on Sunday afternoon, they like to settle in for a little post-service nap. Now, I, I would like to tell you that when those preachers do it, it's because they are piously trying to observe the Sabbath. <laughs> but no, it's that leading service and teaching could, could take a lot out of you. Now, I haven't had to rebuke or exercise any demons during service yet. But... But I have to think that um, doing so has got to be emotionally, if not physically, draining on a person. So Jesus, you know, after a pretty big morning, he, he deserves some rest. What you'll find as you read through Scripture is that Jesus very seldom gets what he deserves. Now, one of the things I, I really love about this story is that it shows us a glimpse into Jesus' heart. And, and specifically, it shows us his compassion and his integrity. Integrity might not jump to mind straight away, but here's what I mean by integrity. Many people have a, a public persona and a private persona. It, it's probably no surprise to you that many TV personalities and movie stars and musicians and other, however people get famous these days, they, they're very different in their private lives 
than how they present themselves on screen or on talk shows or in interviews. You guys know that, right? Well, the truth is, all of us are like that to some degree. Your personality at work is likely different than what you're like at home. You might even have a church face you put on. You may speak and act differently with one group of friends and then differently with another group of friends. And that's not necessarily good or bad. You know, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't judgment. It's just a consequence of the complexity of people. We adapt ourselves to the situation. And if we won't or can't, usually you don't last in the situation for very long. What about Jesus? Does he have a public face and a private face? I don't think so. He's always himself. And, and I think part of that is because he knows himself more clearly and certainly than you or I understand ourselves. So public Jesus is perfectly aligned with private Jesus. And this is one of those stories that shows that to us. And Jesus should be ready to clock out for the day. But he hears about Peter's mother-in-law, and he doesn't hesitate. And he just heads right to her bedside. And it's a, it's a beautiful story. I mean, he's, it's so tender. You know, the way Mark tells the story, Jesus... He says that Jesus went in, took the sick woman by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately she's healed. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's been times in my life that I've wanted Jesus to take me by the hand and lift me up out of my circumstances. Sometimes he has. But I want to ask an important question about this story, lest I, I get too lost in that. Why did he do it? Why did he heal her? It'd be real easy to jump over this question, but I want you to ponder it. Why did he do this? Jesus has nothing to gain personally here. Sometimes when Bible scholars or theologians talk about how Jesus does miracles, sometimes we'll, we'll say that he does them as proof that he is who he claims to be. He does these miracles so that people will know and believe that he is the Christ. That's true. But is that what's going on in this house? Who are the witnesses of this miracle? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Men who have already left their life behind to follow Jesus. These are already committed believers. They may not understand it all yet, but they, they are already faithful. But you know why Jesus does this, don't you? I mean, in your gut, you know why Jesus heals her. Because that's who Jesus is, man. He's, he is compassionate. He cares. He isn't healing her for his own sake or for his own glory or to make a statement. He's healing this poor woman because she needs it. 
Well, she is healed. And her response is to get up out of bed and serve them. How perfect is that? Jesus, after a rough day at the synagogue, comes into the house. He hears about a woman in need, and he asks himself, how can I serve her? And after he does, her response is, how can I serve him? How many times have we hoped for Jesus to take us by the hand and lift us up? How many times have we received that? You know, Jesus healing us physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And when that healing comes, do we take it for granted? Do we go, well, that's just who Jesus is? Or in gratitude for what we've received, are we moved to serve him? I think it's a challenging question. I can't answer it for you. There's more stories, so let's let's keep going. So that happens, and I'm not sure how much time passes, but when the sun goes down, people are crowding outside Peter's doorstep with all their sick and oppressed friends. Why at sundown? You know, it's not like they had street lights and, you know, motion sensor... Uh, what do, they, what do you call those? When you, yeah, the, the little floodlights. You know, this is it's dark out. Why did everybody wait until sundown? Well, to understand that, um, it helps to know kind of the way that Jewish people reckoned time. The way that people understood the law in this story, they would say that Sabbath lasted from sunset on Friday through sunset on Saturday. So when sunset hits... Sabbath is over. So they showed up at sundown because they were no longer breaking the law. Now that the sun is set, they can afford to take the extra steps to get to the house. Now that the sun is down, they can help, you know, shoulder the burden of their sick friends. So they come to see Jesus. And Jesus comes out to see them. And he sees them with the same compassion as he did Peter's mother-in-law. And he, you know, he knows why they're there. Right? They're not there to give him honor or praise. They're there because of what he can do for them. And Jesus doesn't, Jesus isn't cynical about that. Jesus is compassionate about that. So he, he goes out. And he does what Jesus does. He, he gives healing that nobody else could. There's, a, there's a, a verse in the book of Matthew where Jesus says that he has come to fulfill the law. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that we always fully appreciate what that means. I think when we think about Jesus fulfilling the law, I think we think about him obeying the law. There might be more to it than that, though. The crowds, they, they come 
um, they stayed home to observe the Sabbath, this mandatory rest. But tell me this, do you think that they had more rest on Saturday before meeting Jesus or on Sunday after the healing? Whether we mean spiritually or, or even physically, I, I dare say that the real rest happened after Jesus. It isn't just that Jesus observes the Sabbath. For these people, Jesus delivers the promise of the Sabbath. Jesus is for them in a very real way, their Sabbath. Now, it's clear from the story that Jesus doesn't heal everyone in the crowd. I don't think that's for lack of willingness. Jesus took on some real limitations when he took on human flesh. Um, it's just some things he agreed to by doing this. And, and so he's only in one place at one time, and, and eventually he, he does need rest. And so at some point he does go to bed. He doesn't rest too long, though. Because it says the next morning, before the sun is up, Jesus woke up, and he, I mean, I don't know what else to call it, he sneaks off to go pray. And this is also characteristic of Jesus. You know, we know that for him, um, there's almost nothing more valuable in sustaining him than spending one-on-one -on -one time with his father. But there is more to this than that. I mean, he does, he does go and do that, but there's more to the story than that. He's, he's slipping away from the village. Why? Well, because the needs are endless and his heart is so big. And I, I think it would have been very tempting for Jesus to stay there and minister to those folks forever. But that wasn't the mission. He had to keep moving because he wasn't just Lord of that one town. He had to move on so that more people could hear the gospel. He had to move on because his road didn't end there. His road went all the way up to Mount Calvary and then down into the tomb and out of the tomb again. He had limited himself to one body in one place at one time. But friends, thats I think that was tough on Jesus. But it isn't that way anymore. And that's why he made church. That's why we are called his body. Jesus couldn't stay and minister to that town indefinitely in one place. But you know what? We can. We can minister to Liberty Hill as long as we're here. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing because the body of Christ and his ministry... Uh, they, they can both stay and expand. The body of Christ can, can, can expand into every people, tribe, and nation, and at the same time, we can stay and dig in and minister day in and day out, day out in a little town like ours because we are his body. And I think all that really we require is that we have his heart. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus and his loving and compassionate heart. And we pray, Lord, that you would engender in us a heart like that, a heart that sees the need around us and can't, and, and, and can't restrain ourselves from doing what needs done. Lord, just like Jesus, we know we do need to take that time to recharge as well. But Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll teach us that balance, that we will find our rest in him, that we'll reconnect to you, but all of that with the purpose of recharging for more ministry. We ask, Lord, that we would be your hands and feet and voice in our community right here. And when you move us along to new places, Lord, that we would carry that ministry into those places too. We thank you, God, and we, we love you, and we, we bless you that you've not left us on our own, but that you are with us every step of the way. Bless us as a church, bless us as individuals in every way to be your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.